Welcome to the library. My name is Troy Swanson. I'm the library department chair. Uh, this is our event, the Fake News Game. Uh, this event was a result of several conversations within the faculty about the impact of fake news on our society. And uh, this is something that troubles us as people that are after truth, that look for research, try to understand our world. So we thought we should do a few events to highlight what's real, what's not real, what's happening with fake news. So we're going to play a little game here for a little bit. And then at the end, we're going to have some conversation about how we should think about fake news, how should we, we should evaluate real news, and go from there. So let me do a quick introduction of our panelists, and then I'll explain what we do. I was introducing people. So to my left <laughs> is uh, Erica Deiters, who teaches literature, com, and whatever else comes her way. <laughs> to her left is Mary Fafleese from history. To her oh, left yeah. is Aaron Smith from philosophy. And to his left is Stephanie Purseller, who is our director of sustainability and stuff like that. So, um, so here's what's going to happen: is that each of these people, we have uh, four topics, and each has a story. Three of their stories are fake. One person will have an actual news story, and the the fake stories are taken from actual fake news that's been spread around the internet. After they read, so keep track of, they, as they read, listen and think about, hmm, is this real, is this not real? Then we will go to our game and uh, you will get to guess who's real, who's not real, and then we'll see if, how many of us can get it right. And there's some good stories that are in there. Does that make sense? Did I explain that? I think by color, Accurately. they should remember. Yeah, so each answer will have a color. That's what the colors are for. So you'll see a color that matches. Amazing. <laughs> we can go from there, so. To start with, we are going to do a practice question so everyone can get, get ready. So, oh, if you just came in, go to kahoot.it, enter that number, and you will get to join our game. So let me give you one second while I adjust. And then so now we're going to read our stories, keep track of what people read. Our first category is health. And Erica, take us away. I'll do my best, Paul Johnstone. Nice and close. <laughs> <laughs> Newport brand marijuana cigarettes. Second largest U.S. tobacco company, Reynolds American Inc., has recently announced plans to move into a new market. Chief marketing executive Lawrence Harrison commented in a recent interview that his company has purchased thousands of acres of land to grow natural hemp. In the interview, he stated, the recent votes to legalize recreational cannabis in Colorado and in Massachusetts has opened up a whole new market for us. We foresee a time in the near future where the Newport brands will include marijuana cigarettes, unquote. Harrison noted that Reynolds wants to move proactively into this new market before competitor Philip Morris takes action. Reynolds expects to release several brands in the Colorado market as a test by early 2018. Okay, it's red. Go ahead, Mary. Hey, blue. Trimming the bush. Or not. Whether going for a wax or just a small trim, you should be warned. Recent research has proven that shaving your pubic hair will increase your risk of contracting sexually transmitted diseases. A study of 75,000 Americans between the ages of 18 to 65 years old found a strong correlation between individuals who reported removing pubic hair and STDs. All right, it's blue. Go ahead, Aaron. Mind over matter. Harvard researchers have documented that Tibetan monks can raise their body temperatures simply through meditative concentration. Monks are master practitioners of a style of yoga known as G-Tomo, which targets a control of inner energy or psychic heat 
that actually increases the body's temperature. The researchers noted that this demonstrates the power of the mind-body connection. They hypothesized that areas of the mind responsible for blood flow were activated thereby sending more blood to the extremities of the body. This increased blood, this increased blood flow accounted for the rise of the body's temperature. Nice, and Stephanie? And this is Green, Feeling the Good Vibrations. A biological research team at Bellafield University has made groundbreaking discovery showing that plants can draw an alternative source of energy from other plants. This finding could also have a major impact on the future of bioenergy, eventually providing the evidence to show that people draw energy from others in much the same way. Flowers need water and light to grow, and people are no different. Our physical bodies are like sponges soaking up the environment. This is exactly why there are certain people who feel uncomfortable in specific group settings where there is a mix of energy and emotions, said psychologist Dr. Olivia Bader-Lee. Dr. Bader-Lee suggests that this is a major breakthrough in the ever-evolving field of bioenergy. All right, there's our four under health. So here we go. You ready to select? So which story is true? You will see a green, blue, yellow, or a red, blue, yellow, green come up. Started dancing anyway. <laughs> All right, the correct answer is mind over matter. Interesting. But look at 13 said who is trimming yeah. the bush or not. Trimming the bush. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> All right. Your minds all go to the gutter. So now we'll see who is leading the pack. There's the leaderboard. All right. Team South okay. Africa. Man. Going on, our next category is government and politics. And go ahead, Erica. White House prayer spaces. Several anonymous former Obama administration officials told the New York Times that they were displeased to hear that the Trump administration had changed staff spaces that were set aside by the Obama White House for prayer and meditation. These spaces included a meditation room for those practicing Buddhist and Hindu traditions, as well as spaces for prayer rugs for Muslims. Those close to former President Obama would not go on the record, but off the record, they acknowledged that the former president was very angry over these, this change in policy. Trump administration officials noted that the U.S. was founded as a Christian nation. Okay. Got drug testing and saving money. The state of Florida was an early trendsetter by passing a law that's becoming common around the country. Florida was among the first to attempt to save money by drug testing citizens who receive any form of public aid. In a New York Times story, State Representative Jimmy T. Smith, a Republican who sponsored the bill, explained, quote, we had to stop allowing tax dollars for anybody to buy drugs with. However, the actual record shows that the plan may have backfired. Around 2% of those tested actually failed the test. At a cost of $30 per test, the state paid over $118,000 for the tests, which is around $45,000 more than the actual benefits these individuals would have received. Ironically, the state of Florida may have spent more money preventing fraud than if it had ignored it in the first place. The Alabama Olympic team. It's not like we needed more evidence that Americans are inept at geography, but in August of 2016, Alabama State Senator Fred Calhoun 
Republic, Republican from Delbert, Alabama, helped to prove this point. Senator Calhoun was watching the 2016 Olympic Games in Rio, and he was outraged that Georgia was allowed to send athletes to compete, but Alabama was not. As I was watching last night's Olympic Games with my family, I was stunned to see that Georgia was permitted to participate as an independent enti entity, he wrote in an open letter to the International Olympic Committee's president, Thomas Bach. Calhoun complained that it was unfair for the committee to allow only one U.S. state to participate as an independent team in this year's Summer Olympic Games. Of course, Senator Calhoun was not watching athletes from the state of Georgia, but from the country Georgia, which sits at the <laughs> intersection of Europe and Asia on the western side of the Black Sea. It is not known whether IOC Chair Bach took the time to reply. <laughs> All right, and for Green, reinstating the draft. In an effort to bolster America's armed forces, the Trump administration has been shopping a new plan around the Pentagon to reinstate the draft for men and women under the age of 30. Administrative officials would not comment, but sources within the Pentagon have acknowledged that this idea has been up for discussion since the new Def Defense Secretary James Mattis arrived. In fact, details of the plan include automatic citizenship for any non-citizen who serves a minimum of four years and is honorably discharged. Pentagon sources say that reinstituting the draft may be a necessary, may be a necessary given that is increasingly difficult for the armed services to reach recruiting goals. Okay, so think about the four stories you've heard. Be ready to answer. Here we go. Awesome. <laughs> yes, now you can vote again. Try to remember. White House first bases, drug testing, Alabama Olympic team, reinstating the draft. Friendly game. It doesn't really matter. Everybody wins. Yes, it does. Well, it matters. <laughs> Your grades are dependent Woo! upon this. I knew this one. I was so excited. <laughs> All right. It was moi. So I'm gonna hit next one time and not go on to the next question. But we'll see the results. Don't hit don't next. Don't hit next. Go to next yet? Yeah, that's how you see who's leading, right? No, don't. No. <laughs> you don't want to know who's leading. Trust the librarians in the back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no one fell for the Olympic thing, huh? That's interesting. Oh, th well, three. It's I mean, three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's very plausible. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm not going to touch anything. There's the current leaderboard. <laughs> All right. Going on to number four education. The myth of learning styles. Are you a visual learner? Or maybe you are an auditory learner. Maybe you are a kinesthetic learner who learns best by using your hands and through physical activity. Thousands of books, classes, and workshops have been developed over the last four decades around these learning styles with the goal of helping students perform better and teachers make the classroom more effective. The problem is that psychology and brain research have shown time and again that learning styles are a myth. They don't exist. Instead, researchers suggest that learning happens most effectively when teachers use methods most appropriate to the subject being taught. Bolt's gift to Jamaican students. The teachers and students at William Niff Memorial High School in Falmouth, Jamaica, were not surprised to see Usain Bolt bring home his ninth gold medal at the 2016 Olympics in Rio. They weren't even surprised when he flashed his famous smile at the cameras as he ran the race. But they were very surprised when he donated all of his prize money, total, total nearing, nearing $20 million to the school. School administrators were shocked. 
Jamaican press officials noted that the school's athletic programs were about to be closed down, so this donation could not have come at a better time. While not all of the money will be used for education, it almost certainly, it's, it's almost certain that students will find new cricket bats, soccer balls, and other equipment when they return to school. Guitar hero and brain development. <coughs> Want to be a great blues guitarist? It may be too late. If you're over 30, <coughs> you're in trouble when it comes to music. Research is increasingly demonstrating that there's a critical period for the brain to learn music. After this period, normally from ages of 8 to 8, 16, it is very difficult to become a guitar hero. It is clear, notes psychologist Gary Marcus, that musical ability diminishes greatly as one ages. Sure, you may be able to learn the basics, but it's unlikely that you'll be imp improvising blues solos. The research indicates that practice and dedication during the critical period of brain development early in life solidifies neural pathways that will continue to develop as one practices later in life. If these pathways are not established at the right time, they will never solidify in a way that enhances deep learning. That explains why I have no music ability. <laughs> um, green, the brain processing of men and women. <clears throat> Building the school of the future is a complex endeavor, but brain research is trying to help. One area of research that is pointing us in useful directions is the differences between, between the brains of women and men. Naturally, future educators will need to take care not to overemphasize these differences, but the research deals with the national averages and teachers deal with individual students who may not follow the average. With that being said, it is increasingly clear that men and women are different. Most notably, women process language in a more symmetrical and efficient fashion than men. Why are most poetry teachers women and most math teachers men? This does not happen on accident. It happens because the genders are predisposed to process information differently. As noted earlier, there are always notable outliers where men can hold their own as writers and women who teach calculus. But recognizing these differences, especially in primary education, can assist teachers and helping individuals compensate for their brain's natural dispositions. It's not so much that boys can never enjoy poetry as much as it requires them to work harder to get there. All right, think what you like and here we go. <laughs> Ooh, yes. All right. This will make many teachers angry. We talk about this yeah, we do. Um, during some of our teacher training about using different learning styles. It is all fake. It's it not made up. We need to change College 101, we address that a lot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I right, just said so the same thing. Now the most important part <laughs> who is leading? Symbol formerly known as Prince takes the lead. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on to uh, the environment. <clears throat> Wisconsin scrubbing climate change. It wasn't just find and replace. It was a case of find and delete when De Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources removed the word climate from its website. This was a major mission to scrub the site of any reference to anthropology anthropogenic global warming. The humorous part of this politically motivated change was that the word climate was removed entirely, even if it was not used in conjunction with the word change. One page in particular addressed the ways that climate change is impacting the Great Lakes. This page was titled, Climate Change and Wisconsin's Great Lake. Now this page is simply called, The Great Lakes and a Changing World. 
Okay, we've got the secrets of salt lamps. Want a boost of energy while studying? Maybe you should change your environment with a Himalayan salt lamp. These pink blocks of salt have been well known in Asia for years. They use electric smog, or more scientifically, negative ions, to supercharge the air in a room combating negative toxins and boosting brain activity. Researchers looking at their effects have noted, the negative ions are, are generated by a continuous interplay of water attraction and evaporation. The salt crystal lamp attracts water molecules from the surrounding air to its warm surface. The water and salt form a solution. In the process of evaporation of the solution, due to the heat of the lamp, negatively charged ions are created. Both positive and negative ions are created, but much more negative ions than positive are created, therefore providing a surplus of negative ions. Natrium, another word for sodium, is positively charged. This unique ion emission interplay ability with water is because of salt's neutral atomic structure. And this is why I teach history and not anything to do with science, because my, my eyes are rolling in the back of my head already. El Nino and global cooling. <coughs> Despite the claims, 2016 will not go down as one of the hottest years on record if we look at the data. Yes, 2016 was the second hottest year on record, second only to 2012. But this is looking at raw, te raw temperatures. 2016 included an El Nino <laughs> event, which pushed temperatures above what would normally be expected. Thus, 2016 does not come close to record temperatures. It is more comparable to 1998 temperatures, which make it, in fact, quite cool. Some climate scientists are wondering if we are actually headed into an extended cooling period, period known as a mini ice age. If you live in a cold climate, this may be a cause for concern. All right, and green, saving teeth, hurting brains. The good news is that we don't get as many cavities as we used to. The bad news is that we aren't as smart as we used to be. Studies from researchers are showing that the fluoride added to our water supply reduces the IQ of individuals in those areas. The initial studies were conducted in mice and eventually in primates, which are closer relatives to humans. Then scientists found communities that did not have fluoridated water, which they could use as a control group. The results at all levels, mice, primates, and with humans, indicate that fluoride has a negative impact on cognitive functions. Beginning in the mid-1940s, citizens, cities in the United States began adding low concentrations of fluoride to public water supplies in an effort to prevent tooth decay. As of 2014, 74.4% of the United States populace has access to water from a fluoridated source. This is the public health crisis reminiscent of the use of DDT and other pesticides that had negative impact back in the 1950s. Now is a time for action. There is a grassroots effort to inform lawmakers and to begin hearings with the hopes of outlying fluoride for good. All right. Have you guys heard of some of those stories? <laughs> no, yes? All right, well, let's see how well you can detect. Here we go. Environment. Yes, Wisconsin has gone through and deleted climate change from their website because that will make it go away. <laughs> <laughs> the others on this list we can talk about later. There's some very famous ones that were out there. Um, if you like salt lamps because they're beautiful, that's cool. If you like them because they think that uh, they make you feel better, you have bad information. <laughs> All right. Come on, Dr. Ross, you fall into third. On to the last category, social issues. Oh, this one is touchy. <laughs> yep. 
a forced cultural experience. In honor of Arab Heritage Month, non-Arab female students at the University of Wisconsin had a unique cross-cultural experience. They learned different ways that the hijab is worn in various places in the Arab world. The hijab is the traditional headscarf or veil worn by Muslim women. Unfortunately, this event caused some controversy on campus because non-Muslim participants were forced to wear the hijab. Quote, I didn't realize that by attending this event, I would be guilted into wearing a headscarf, unquote, said sophomore English major Amy Westerbrook. Other attendees expressed similar complaints. University officials have apologized for the event, noting that this was done in an effort to expand knowledge and create mutual understanding. The event planners have said that students will not be required to wear the job at events in the future. Blue Monday and the Sadness Algorithm. It should not be a surprise that according to researchers at the University of Rochester Medical Center, the second Monday of January is the most, quote, depressing day of the year, unquote. Dubbed Blue Monday, this is the point in the calendar when the holiday excitement has worn off, the days are still short, and the weather remains bitterly cold for most of the country. Psychologists collaborated with the mathematicians to apply their new sa sadness algorithm to data outlines how mentally healthy Americans were over the year. This past year, Monday, January 9th, was pinpointed as the, quote, saddest day of the year, unquote. The researchers note that this may be useful for practitioners working with patients with various forms of depression. It may also be useful for managers who need to motivate employees as they return from holiday vacations. Um, I don't really get to sit up here very often, so can you all just uh, make a peace sign for me so I can get a photo? And I borrowed Mary's camera because it's not a high res enough. Can you just make a peace sign for me? Thank you. That was great. Uh, peace sign selfies and identity theft. <laughs> <laughs> In an effort to make a political statement, teenagers across America took peace sign selfies, which is simply a photo of oneself holding up two fingers as a peace sign. Unknowingly, these selfies became a security risk when hackers started stealing fingerprints from the high-quality pics. Ha, 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 ha. <clears throat> Initiated as an effort by West Coast campus activists, Speak Out America, the peace sign selfie was intended to be a way to empower college students as they took a stand for peace. The effort took on a life of its own as it left college campuses and came to life on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and other social media platforms. Unfortunately, the resolutions of new smartphones have enough quality for hackers to, co uh, <coughs> to collect data points from fingerprint patterns. The challenge, according to security experts, is that biometric data, like fingerprints, can never be changed like a password. This data simply never changes. This opens up the possibility of identity theft and security risks. As security expert Andy Boxall noted, in today's technology environment, even making a peace sign may put you at risk. Yikes. Um, and last one for green, cleaning the streets with ugly laws. Cities including Chicago, Portland, and San Francisco went to disturbing efforts in the late 1800s to present a positive appearance. One common approach for these cities was to enact so-called ugly laws. These laws banned people from deemed disease, maimed, mutilated, or in any way deformed so as to be an unsightly or disgusting object or improper person from public spaces. These laws were not just panhandling or loitering laws. They went further by forcing people with skin diseases, missing limbs, and other disabilities to remain out of public sight. 
Many of these laws remained on the books well into the 20th century and were not overturned until the passing of the Americans with Disabilities Act in 1990, signed by George H.W. Bush. All right, four tough ones. Are you ready for this? Mm -hmm. Here we go, social issues, which story is true? Yes. Ugly laws were real. Oh my God. And yes. you would be put in jail, <laughs> yeah. And they lasted a long time, like 100 years of them. The thing with the rest of these is all of the rest of these were actual fake news stories that were spread around the internet. So these are not made up by us. Uh, we rewrote some of them to make it a little uh, shorter and more to the point. But yeah, so let's go on. <laughs> we're all the real winners. So let's just open this up for um, conversation. Tish has a mic, so if you would uh, want to speak, raise your hand. Let's ask, just ask you some questions. What kind of things did you look at uh, when you made your choices for this? Google. Did you, did you, did you look stuff up? No. It's impressive searching skills. Yeah, really. Right, you'd get the actual wrong story. Yeah, it's the first one. Yeah. What kind of things? So how did you figure out whether it w was the fake story? What was your intuition? What was it that was telling you? But we, we didn't even know. She said the reader's expression on their face. Yeah, these guys didn't know. We didn't, we didn't tell them know. the answers. We didn't want them to accidentally give it away. <laughs> but those did it, of us did who it work, the news, though? Maybe just subconsciously we knew. Um, yes, yeah, very smart. Several of these stories, if you listen to the news, they were out there. So you, mm -hmm. like, I, I picked out four of the six just from news information, mm -hmm. just so. But and some of the fake ones I included because I had friends actually share them, and I was like, wait a minute, that's not real. <laughs> then I looked it up, and it's, it's just bogus. So yeah, the shaving one was one I come across, and I, I, I couldn't remember if it was a fake yeah, story or not. It was. I yes. did come across that. Yeah. Fluoride, I've seen a lot. The fluoride one, yeah, that's a very famous one. People all the time. Um, say that we shouldn't put fluoride in our water, which mm -hmm. is just not true. It's easy to, to go against. Other factors? That's Come on, you guys, speak up. <laughs> Some of you are in it's Mary's lame. class. She's, if you don't she's taking notes. She's taking notes. Yes. Was it all just guessing? Yeah, there go ahead. Go. Come on, Moses. Go for it. Hi. 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 Hello. What's up? <laughs> yeah, no, um, just um, just based on simply whether or not it sounds credible, and then you also have to look at the ones that do sound credible, whether or not, or like some of them were, like you said, popular, like I've heard some of them, and I just assume, yeah, what, what are you, you going to say? I want to ask you, yeah. what do you mean sounds credible? Sounds credible. As in like, if you were to, I mean, I guess for everyone is going to be different just based on like the knowledge pool that they have, but based on my knowledge pool or my heuristics, I will just uh, you know find what I assume to be the worst first, and then the ones that because there's always one that's just like all right, that's obviously yeah. not okay. on the table. Process of elimination. Process of elimination, and then the other ones you just kind of have yeah. Go How ahead. did you figure that out? Process of elimination. So, uh, like, I haven't been around very long in life, but <laughs> there's just there's just things that you can just tell aren't very. You know what I mean? What like do you mean, things? <laughs> uh, this is what I example, do to my comms. You have, you have the list. May I take your list real quick? I appreciate it. All righty. Um, all righty. So. Yeah, this is uh, examples. 
Yeah, yeah. There's a, yeah examples right here. Um, because he wrote props right here because he, uh, I didn't write any notes. So, um, but yeah, um, like it just didn't seem um realistic for. Yeah, what what was going on with the, the Alabama state senator? I was like, I don't think that he'd be that incompetent. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, I'm just saying. Oh, you would be surprised. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> seriously. I will, I, it's it, more so a hope. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's a low bar for some of our elected officials. Yeah, I've noticed, especially as of recently, but <laughs> I digress. Um, yeah, so you just have to you know, make decisions based on what you, it's a lot of it, is, it's hard because it's a lot of it is belief based, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the whole issue, I guess, with what we're, what we're talking about as far as fake news goes, because when you don't have anyone, you know, singling out what is or what is not real, then it's left up to the person to, you know, decide whether or not it is or not. So you just kind of have to go with it. A lot of this is, is more or less, you know, it's almost chance-based at this point. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I mean, some, that's, a, that's a tough thing with new information that you interact with. And I know when we help with research in the library, that's a thing that we librarians think about often, is that how do we, how does that interaction happen and what makes us select what we select and, and believe what we believe. And I hope, that's, I mean, that's what we're talking about today, but a big thing for college, right? Is how does that happen? Mm -hmm. Other comments? Aaron? Comments? Um, I know if I just say Aaron's name, he's going to comment. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, I'll say the first thing is uh, if you want to stop fake news in your life, take more philosophy classes because essentially <laughs> philosophy is really good training for critical thinking skills and it will force you to address this stuff. Um, but there's also a news story today. This wasn't fake news, or I hope it wasn't fake news because it came from a credible source. Uh, but Germany is uh, looking at laws to actually ban fake news and put criminal penalties on those people who uh, put fake news out there. So mm, I know it's, it's interesting because this is something that you might think about as a democracy. Are we willing to curtail freedom of speech in order for our collective good? And in Germany, they say, yeah, we are interested in limiting freedom of speech for our collective benefit, but is that something that we really want to do? Do you want to have your, free your freedom to say <coughs> ridiculous things on the internet uh, taken away in order so that all of us can be better informed? So. I think it also, um, I was going to say, like when I'm listening to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, because I love that show, I try to listen. There's usually one sentence in the or one phrase that kind of gives it away. Right. Um, or it's just like, you know, Moses was kind of alluding to common sense, the idea that, so the story about Trump with the draft. Okay, if that was true, you would have heard that. That would have been all over the mainstream news. It would have been nonstop a huge story. The fact that nobody heard about it is maybe a clue that it's not, it wasn't real. Because it would be a much bigger story um, than just simply some tiny little blurb somewhere, right? Because it would affect so many people. So, Were there other stories that stood out to you that made you... Which ones did you fall for that you were surprised about that you thought, oh, this is the one? Hang on, wait for the microphone so we can hear. She's coming. Uh, well, one that I was shocked that was like actually false is because like I'm in an education class, and it's like always being like taught like that there's all these different types of learners. <laughs> so when I found out that that's false, it's kind of like crazy, you know, just because I would have never guessed. Yeah. Since I'm being taught that, <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I still teach that, I, and I talk about it in my classes all the time. If you're a visual learner, this might help you. Right. Yeah. And the, and I think the thing with that that's a little tricky. So there'd be there would be debates within our faculty with that. 
And what that question actually said is that psychologists can't prove it. Like if you actually try to study it and document it, you would expect, if this is real, that you would do this study and there would be these outcomes. They've done a ton of studies and they can't make that work. But education, educators often say the value in that is it makes me think of different ways I should try to teach, which then changes my classroom so that I'm not always just up here doing a lecture. Like it forces me, education becomes better because it makes me as a teacher do different things. So I think that's an important thing to say around that one. But then what happens with that in the faculty, and this happens with us all the time, is that we treat that as if these learning styles are these absolute things and they're facts. And the reality is it might be good practice to try something visual, to try something auditory, to change it up, but these are not actual things, right? And so what is the difference between that? So, And it's very ingrained into teaching culture right now. And all the psychologists, I don't, we don't have any of our psych teachers here, but they always say, these are not real. Like As we have meetings about it, they're always like, this is not a real thing. So, yeah. Other, are there other examples that you fell for? How about the trimming the bush one? Come on, every, oh, a lot of people fell for that one. I did. <laughs> it just made sense? What? Oh, should we move <laughs> <laughs> um, You're I not don't on know. Camera. I feel like I've seen it like on the internet, or, or like I feel like I heard it before, like in health education class in high school. I always thought that was true. Blame the high school teachers. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> But I did the same thing too. I actually was like questioning my, I'm like, because I, I did hear it too. And if, I think if it gets in your brain that you've heard it, then somehow there's like a, a link between what you've heard and you assume it's true. Because I've heard it somewhere. Stephen Colbert used to do that a lot on the Colbert Report. Say that again. It's also kind of like true about it. Like if you do trim your pubes, I feel like it's kind of like more of a risk of you getting sexual disease. Like easier yeah. access yeah. Mm -hmm. for the transmission to happen. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. And that's a case where. You know, correlation is not equal causation. So maybe they did a study and they found that, you know, people that take care of it maybe do have more diseases. But if you're doing that much work, then you may be <laughs> expecting to, you know, you're more active. be more active. <laughs> yeah. oh, thank you. And that's why the, 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 the possibility right. of, of a, an STD is more possible. Right. right. But uh, if you trim or not trim, it doesn't actually cause yeah. disease to happen. And that's what that one was about. So that's a difficult one. All right, well, let's transition. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, there was um, the uh, selfie fingerprint one. Mm -hmm. That one I yes. voted for knowing, it, no, this isn't true because of multiple factors, but I was hope, but that's the one I heard the most of. Mm -hmm. That was like all it was over everywhere. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I'm really hoping I get this wrong, and I did, thankfully. Because <laughs> the factors in it are, in order to have it be effective, they need the th thumbprint as well, which no one no one does this for <laughs> um, yeah. peace sign. And even if they did, the only people that would be affected by like hackers for that would be people who use their fingerprints in security means, which are people who wear like eight thousand dollar suits, <laughs> who are probably not taking <laughs> selfies with peace signs. <laughs> well, just last night, my mom had on, on TV, what's that new, the Kiefer Sutherland one, where he's the, the designated survivor, the one that, only one that survives this bomb. And they did that exact thing on that show. It's like, it, it was just on there yesterday. Did you guys, did anybody see it last night? Where they did, where somebody took a fingerprint off of a picture. They zeroed in on it, the music got very suspenseful, and they were able to figure out who the person was based on that. So that's why it was like, well, maybe that one is, if it was on TV, it must be, it must be real. <laughs> on a fictional television show, yeah, maybe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, well, let's, let's just talk a, just a second about fake news itself, and we can, um, you guys can add in as we go. 
But there's different reasons why fake news happens. And I think it's good to recognize what some of these things are. And it helps you. This helps me when I see things pop up to think about, is this real or not real? And there's some things that are just um, different. Here's the different types. There's some that are totally made up and, and for different reasons, OK? Um, some of them are made up to really do like political attacks, like the Pizzagate thing. I don't know if you guys heard about that. Made up fake news that um, alleged that uh, Hillary Clinton and others were involved in a child um, slave, like slave ring, and some trafficking showed up with a gun at a pizza shop in Virginia or North Carolina or somewhere. And like that's kind of scary, new, like a fake news story causing someone to show up at a at a place with a weapon. Um, some um, are made up as jokes, and they get shared around, shared around too. So there's different reasons. Some people just make up things that they want you to click on because they want the ads to come up, right? And they don't really care about what's true or not true. And that's a huge part of this. And they found during this election that liberals and conservatives, both sides of the political aisle, would click on things that said bad things about their opponent, and then they get what they want because the ads pop up and they make money. And there's people that make lots of money off of getting you to click on fake news, and they don't care if it's true or not. This is very different than than reporting through a political vantage point, which would be like the MSNBCs, the Fox Newses, and there's a whole range of, of publications that come at it from the right or from the left, and they still have epics behind them at some level, and they still um, are trying to do actual um, reporting. So the thing that bothers me is when these really ugly, nasty fake news sites get wrapped up with just standpoint journalism. And then I, I already kind of mentioned this, the, the satire, like the Onion websites that are out there that people fall for. Every so often, um, there's been a couple examples in China where an Onion story will get picked up by a, a news agency as if it's real, and then it's not. And so these are some different kinds of things that happen that we can arm ourselves against. So when I see stories, I think, why would they put this out there? They want me, they want me to click is often it. Uh, 60 Minutes just did a thing on, on Pizzagate. They just did a story was the last week or the week before. I think I yeah. showed it to my students. We watched it because we did a, a project this semester on, on fake news. Um, and it was just interesting to see like the, how many people and, and the people that were behind that right. full stories and how much money they're making. The one guy I think we saw, was he making like $10,000 a month off of the stories that he was writing? So he's clearly making a lot of money and, writing And they're able stories. to use fake Twitter accounts and other accounts to Write, they write it and they send it out across the web and it just gets <coughs> sent and sent and sent and sent. Just viral emails and yeah. Yep. So I think one thing that we touched on, and I think this is true, is that when you interact with any information source, it's about you as much as it is about that source. So what are the things that you believe are true or maybe you bumped into? Things that you know in a deep knowledge kind of way, you don't fall, you're not fooled. So if if you go through college and you, you're a history major or a philosophy major, and they tell you like some bogus stuff about your major, it's harder to fool you because you have a lot of knowledge about that. Things that you kind of bump into, like I saw this on the TV show, the fingerprint thing, oh, that must be true. That's where it's easier to get fooled because you have light knowledge on it. And often the first thing that you learn about it is the thing that you hang on to first. And that's a big thing with conspiracy theories. Mm -hmm. If I know nothing about 9-11 or I know nothing about Bigfoot, and someone tells me this story, in order to change my mind, it takes a whole lot more evidence mm -hmm. to overturn that false belief. If you don't mind me interjecting here, that's something that we, we talk about in American History One about Christopher Columbus. Yeah. <laughs> the myth of, of Christopher Columbus, right? That he, you know, this, this idealized hero who discovered America. And we'll spend a whole 
class day talking about it and looking at different articles and, and stories about it, about how they're in certain states, they're changing Columbus Day and whether or not it should be changed. And then inevitably on every midterm when I ask them to identify uh, important people and events, they'll talk, I'll have a, several students who will say Christopher Columbus because he discovered the new world. So just because they've been so ingrained with it as children, it still stays in their mind. That's how it must be no matter what evidence also comes, comes our way. In a lot of the stories that we put up there, I tried to include things that had that kernel of bias or truth in it, right? And so, or even like, why did I choose Alabama for this, the state? I could have chosen any state. Being that we're all, I assumed that we'd be northerners in this room during this event, what kind of biases do we hold against the South? If I, it would have been maybe a different story if I picked California or Massachusetts, but you know, Alabama's near Georgia, of course they're gonna, some Alabama state senator is gonna get ticked off that Alabama's not in the Olympics. Um, <laughs> but the, the ones that are more frightening is like the example of the, the story with the hijab at the University of Wisconsin. That was a, a story that went around and what really happened was an event where the Arab student group on campus invited people to try to wear the hijab and to teach people about what hijab was, how that works with their religion, and students were able to, to try it out and to learn. Then that became a story where students were forced to wear it, which then went viral all around and it was just totally not true at all. And the, the university and others had to respond and say, um, this is what really happened. But because of that kernel of truth, this belief that people are being forced into this by liberals or whatever, the, you know, the university, um, it took off because that was already something that's out there in people's minds. And so that's, that's the kind of thing that you have to be careful for that you don't fall into with the news. Mm -hmm. I think, it, uh, again, as a writing instructor, we talk a lot about uh, paraphrasing when we're rewording a text. Um, kind of in our own voice, in our own style. And, and we also talk about connotation or language that has shades of meaning, different nouns and verbs that might have slightly different meanings. And, and Troy just mentioned um, originally they were invited to try on the hijab and then the story took off and they were forced to. And again, so, you know, kind of the same, but clearly there's like this negative connotation to the one. So I think when the, when the language starts to get highly connotative as opposed to denotative, which is fairly neutral language, that's when you can start questioning, like, wait a minute, this is a little extreme to be yeah. forced. Um, and, and so there <coughs> could be some doubt, and, and that's when you can look into it a little further. And then when it comes to science, the scariest one for me was El Nino and global cooling. Yeah. Um, it's so easy to cherry pick information from articles or whatever that, uh, that you want to hold on to and you want to believe. So this idea of climate change and people still talking about there's, a, there's still a debate of whether or not it's happening, that's simply not true. There is no debate, there's just deniers. There are people who are trying to create a debate. And so they're cherry picking information to try to prove the science wrong but they don't know the science, they don't understand it. And that is primarily driven out of fear. People don't wanna change, they don't wanna accept the fact that the climate is changing and they're, they're gonna have to adapt. Um, some of it is driven out of greed and you know wanting to continue to get fossil fuels and things. But it's important that we recognize when we're reading science what's been cherry-picked and what's actual facts. Um, just to add one other thing, it sounds like, I mean, we've been, we've been talking a lot about fake news in our society recently, and there's this, like, idea that it's just, like, a modern problem. Seriously, this just goes, like, as far back as written words are, are there, you can find, you know, fake news stories and people just, like, creating BS to harm other people, and other people 
get harmed. I mean, this is like, you know, as a philosophy professor, I, I spent a lot of time talking about Socrates, and this is why Socrates was killed. I mean, you could think of it, he was executed because of fake news. I mean, that's a slight spin on it, but basically that's what happened. And this has just been going on for thousands of years, so this isn't new. It's just really easy to pass on information now, and it's really hard as consumers of information for us to be aware, because there's just so many sources of information. So this problem is just really, really apparent to us today. When, it go, when to go back to those beliefs, most of our beliefs, we, we think we're going to come to college, we're going to learn all this stuff. Most of the things that you believe about the world are way set. By the time you're 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, like how you make money, the roles of men and women, um, marriages, religion, how the world works, what's fair and what's not fair, that is really ingrained early on in life. And it's very difficult to change. Now, we can change it and we can learn. I mean, if, if we couldn't, then why are we doing all of this? But... Um, it's a tough thing. It's a tough mm -hmm. thing. Um, I think we've hit most of that. I'm just going to jump through. I do want to touch just quickly on um, some ideas about journalism because I think the other side is if we're going to identify fake news, we have to know what good news is. Mm -hmm. And there's good things and bad things about how journalism actually works. Um, but it largely does work if we let it work and we recognize what it is. So I want to emphasize that journalism is a process that relies on sources. It's, it's very similar to what we teach in most of our writing classes. And good journalists, it's not about what they actually think, it's what they can actually report and what they can document and what they can bring back to us. And that each journalist who's writing a story doesn't do it alone, but it's part of a big process. And the newsroom behind most newspapers is very robust and they have fact checkers. There's a lot of hands that each story goes through before it gets out into the public. Um, and I think a point that we miss often is that news reporting isn't about doing a story, right? News reporting is an ongoing conversation. Sometimes that's a problem, sometimes it, there's some weaknesses with that, but the first stories that come out on an issue are normally really ugly because the reporters just report and then better stuff comes out. So like the, the debate that's happening now with the relationship with the Trump administration in Russia, that's been going on for how long? Like six months, like way back during the election. Mm -hmm. And there's been a lot of misinformation, there's some ugly information about it, but now we're starting to get into some stuff that is really troubling. Now it may turn out that it's not a big deal. We don't know yet, we're still learning. It may turn into something else. But the, the stories and the reporters keep working mm -hmm. and keep evolving it. And I think we miss that where we pick one source out and we don't know. This, yeah, there's probably problems within this one source, but that's why we need more than, than one. Time to reflect to look back. So just some final thoughts and we can start to wrap things up. I mean, one problem with this game that we played is a lot of the issues that we deal with in life are not true or false, right? Like we say here's, I, I picked things that were purposefully, clearly fake and other things that, that had solid footing. But some things there's, a, there's a, a range in between, especially people that are trying to sell you things. A very famous thing like the salt lamp thing is they'll try to grab some study that kind of may suggest some of it and then say, buy our salt lamp because it will help you with this, which it's not true. Like they bend a true actual study to meet their needs. That's super common, especially out on the web. Buy this oil, take this herb, whatever, rub this thing on you, you get better. Um, and sometimes there's some truth in there and then they take it in different directions. I think a big thing for me is that, like the climate change example, there is a, the, the foundation of what higher education is about is that there's a reality out there and we can measure it, and we can study it, and we can understand it. Now, we don't always understand it as well as we should, and we can debate the meaning of it, but if I go out and take a measurement, um, 
that has meaning if I do it right and that we can learn from that and grow. So if I just say climate change isn't true because I just don't want it to be true, well, the reality is there's a lot of data that counter contradicts you know, that opinion. You have to accept the truth behind, behind the data, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, my rule of thumb is extreme claims re require extreme proof. So if you have a political leader that says, hey, all these undocumented people are voting, that's a pretty extreme claim. And because of that, it's messed up our elections. If that ha is happening, we should do something about it. But you can't just say that, and then that's your proof. Like You need to have evidence. You need to show that, right? So the, the crazier the claim, the, the better the proof that it needs to be. Bigfoot destroyed my campsite. You better have something better than that blurry picture of Bigfoot walking through the woods, right? Um, Men mentioned measurement. I think a big thing is that we can debate meaning and values. So like when the debate about should we raise the minimum wage? There's stuff we can document. If you, if you raise the minimum wage, these things will happen. We can use data to show that. Now is that good or is that bad? That's a value judgment. And I can argue and debate what my values are with that. And I think that's a big thing. That's a good thing we should do. That's where debate is useful. When you debate what's right and wrong, that's how we learn from each other. But based on facts. Based on actual data and facts, yes. yeah. Not just made up stuff. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. Um, I think that's probably enough. Are there questions from the audience related to any of this? I can feel the energy in the room. You guys want to stay for another two hours and talk <laughs> about this? Um, just can I point out to my students, look at point three. Philosophy language right there, yeah, <laughs> it sneaks in. I do think there's a process that we under, I, maybe it's just that I underwent it, but I think a lot of people do in college, where you go through this, I show up at college with these beliefs, and they normally come from where I grew up, and then I get exposed to all these new ideas, and then you hit this period of where everybody's okay. Ah, you do your thing, I'm doing my thing, <laughs> it's cool. And then by the end, though, we hope, that you actually come back to some sort of beliefs and thinking and, and, and enter the world as educated people that can make wise choices. Now that's always a growth process for all of us. Like it never just ends. But I do think there's this progression of, I absolutely believe these things. Whoa, I don't believe anything anymore. <laughs> and then hopefully you come back around to beliefs that are built upon um, hopefully good stuff or at least a logical process behind it. So that's our ideals I think as educators for all of you. Thoughts? All right, so how about a round of applause for our great panel members? <laughs> Thank you all for playing, and I'm sorry about screwing up the, techno the technology side. I totally ripped off the early winners, man. <laughs> so you'll get your refunds at the door. We do have an event next week, a panel discussion.